Hello, Ben here from Supercoach Insider, bringing you my team reveal. It's the Saturday, footy's back in about oh, five days or so, and it's it's getting a little bit hairy, so I don't know if you're like me, trying to kind of tinker with my side, figure out the structure I'm looking at, the pros and the, the cons as far as, you know, the structure, guns and rookies, mid-price madness, the rest of it. Before I move on, dude, please do like and subscribe and continue all of that awesome hard work uh, for those that support us. Today, I'm just going to go through my team as of current, and um, let me know what you think when you get to the end as well, and whether you are looking at something that is very similar as far as structure. So, now for me, my team has changed slightly as far as um, my premiums have changed a little bit. I've tried to change my structure a little bit as well to maximize what I believe to be points on field, and also trying to minimize that risk of some of those rookies on the bench as well, and I'll get into some of those explanations um, throughout this as well. So first one is I've actually gone from, and I had Dawson, I've had Stewart in most of my preseason sides, and um, I've kind of changed in the fact that I've gone with Doherty, who's come in a little bit more lately, simply because they have a, a really nice fixture early on. Hawthorne tagging Dacos and tagging in their intra-club games and their preseason games is very much a concern for me. And Hawthorne do play Adelaide and Geelong fairly early, Geelong, I don't think have anyone else that they, you know, no real midfielders to tag. So I think they'll go and tag a defender possibly. And also with Dawson as well is also a risk at round six. So that's probably looking around the upgrade season and Doherty has a nice soft run. So I'm looking to go for him there. The other one I'm looking at is pretty much going with Ridley. Now Ridley to me is very similar to a um, like Sicily type, like a Stewart type as in intercept mark, really good user by foot. And Essendon have really switched their structure to allow Ridley to be that intercept guy to get some kickouts and to really kind of be more of that quarterback style. And that's because those other halfbacks are pushing up. So for me, he just poses value. Um, I've also flirted with the idea of what well, if I had a hundred grand, then I'd probably probably just look at bringing in Dawson because I think he'll still do really well. But I just like the flexibility that it has, and I do think he's going to be around that top six, which is why he's in my side as well. Now, the other parts of it haven't changed too much, so I'm still looking at Yo just because I think he provides too much value uh, up in that slot, so nothing much has changed too there. Uh, I'm not too concerned. I was chatting to Damo from Jocks last night, and um, pretty much we're talking about, well, I think it was more just to get through the game, and it wasn't look like he was trying to get to those stoppages as much, whereas I think it was just more of a building sort of factor as far as getting into... The um, preseason, get that done and get into round one. So this is the easy part. You've gone Jinbi here. I think Constable's probably the best option as far as being on field. Now, this is one that's a bit contentious for me. I am still looking at yeah, um, Wilmot, and I'm just not sure. I want to see the ins first as to whether I'm going there. Uh, same as uh, I think it's Kinkotta. So seeing what sort of setup they go with and the teams that are named in defense are probably going to really dictate whether I um, have a, uh, say, Chessa and whether I put Chessa in my midfield or whether I put him in defense. And I do expect him to be named. He's not really a sub-risk for me, but it's more of a they might manage him so he might miss some games here and there. But I still think that Chessa's scoring output is definitely worth having him in that side. And at the moment, I've got Kin Cotter just because of the price difference. He's more mature. They brought him in. So I think he probably gets the gig over Cowan and they can work on their structure and get him some other games, possibly in the VFL, for him there. So I'm going to go to Rux because this is probably 
one of the areas a lot of people are having issues with. And I've gone English. I still I like Wits. He's fit. He's you know um, doing well. It's just a, a case of that bit of cash, I guess, to free up. I still think with the amount of tours that the dogs are playing, English is twenty five. He's hitting that peak kind of part of his career. He showed a high ceiling last year. And because of that injury risk that he does have, I'd rather start him than go somewhere else and then be forced to kind of go to English. So I think Wits will kind of come in and out and fade a little bit. English with his high ceiling. And I think he's someone that could go 115, which is why I'm just going to try and start him. I have flirted with Max Gorn. Uh, anyone that saw the Ruck podcast would definitely know that. So um, the easiest part is obviously Marshall for me. And then going into, I should just go percentage owned. Uh, going into Madden now, I have really tried to flirt with the idea of having Radaglia at R three, and then using Sin as a loop. So if I have say some expensive rookies on on my field in my um, midfield and forward line, so for instance, say I had Will Phillips in my midfield on the bench, and say I had you know Pedlar or McLean on my bench in my forward line, then that would allow me to loophole Phillips into McKenzie and McLean into Sheasel, and I could take. You know, if whoever plays early, if they go absolutely huge, then I'm not kind of leaving points on the bench. Uh, I really like that strategy, but then I also don't like spending that much money on a bench rookie uh, in my ruck line, and it kind of throws my structure out a little bit. So I'm keeping an eye on it depending on how teams are named, but I'm not overly sold on Radigalia, which I think is what it kind of comes down to. Sometimes if you're going set and forget rucks, then why are you trying to come up with possible coverage because by round eight, he's probably out of your team anyway. So what's he covering you for? And I'm not going to be limping my way into using a loophole cover ruck early in the season. If one of those guys gets injured, then see you later, you're gone. Um, and that's as simple as it is for me. So, all right. Now, midfield, this is where the bulk of the points are. And I can't seem to go past um, Clary and Led. Now, I know some people have reservations about Clary. Oh, he played a little bit of defensive line. Yes, he was down a little bit in CBAs. They might also be trying to, like, you know, practice on that, uh, you know, in case he does get tagged, what can they do? Let's push him back there, maybe try and free things up a bit. But he's their best clearance winner. And I kind of see everyone else bending around him because getting Clary out of CBAs isn't going to be good for Melbourne. Um, plain and simple, is in my opinion. So I think Clary still goes 120+. plus. I still think they have... Uh, he's such an, a great VC. And then even, uh, I'll just flick down here. So the draw as well, and the reason why, from round four, West Coast, Essendon, Richmond, North, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, a lot of low teams in there, and Clary's the type to just towel up. And again, Chris keeps talking about like, oh, you, you want to make sure you can afford people when it's the time to upgrade. Well, those rounds from like round four to round nine, if he goes big in, in a one or two of those, and I mean big like Clary big, you're not going to afford him. And for me, that's where Max Gorn also kind of comes into the picture. Whereas if Max Gorn gets DPP, as soon as that round six hits or whatever it is, after round six, if Max Gorn is DPP with their soft run, I'm jumping on as quick as I can. And that's where I sit with Melbourne, and that's where I sit with Clary and Max Gorn. Now, I'd be love to start Max Gorn, except for the fact that, you know, I do think he's going to drop in price, and I think there's better price points out there for you. So... In the midfield, I've gone Led and Clary as my main two VC and Cs. Um, Bonds and Pilly playing more midfield. He's come out and spoken about it, saying like he will get more midfield time. The dogs are also very tall in their forward line, so they don't need Bonds as a you know a key forward leading marking type. He 
He'll probably push in a bit more. He might rest a little bit forward. But all that means is he then gets probably a worse defender. And uh, I still think Bont's going 120. And that's why he's in there for me. And then from there, and I've also toyed with just going three mids. I've toyed with maybe not having Bont and Pelly. I just don't like how it looks when you don't have Bont in the side. Same thing goes with Green because anyone that goes 50 touches in like an intra club, I don't know it was against like a, a, you know, a B team or whatever. And he's also looked extremely good in, in some of the preseason stuff. All the talk's been about him. I still think he will be around my M8 mark, M8 to M10, like in general range. So for me to start him at that value, I'm quite happy to kind of pay up for other defenders, pay up for other forwards or ruck forwards if they eventuate, and then try and go, that's my cheaper option to you know be in that sort of floating sort of range for me. So that's where it sits. Um, Hopper, I've also kind of toyed with, can I leave him out? But again, 46% owned. I'm not going to be that person. And I've had a few people talk to me about, oh, like I'll go set a field instead of this person or picking a point of difference just for the sake of having a pod. I was like, okay, well, if you want a point of difference, go Lockie Neal, go Tuke Miller, people who are still a premium, who will still be in that top eight sort of bracket, but maybe just aren't owned as much. Whereas if you go a, a 2%, a 3% person, you know, like Parrish, who's good, but if Parrish has another calf issue or is injured, you are the only one hurting. And especially when it's high owned, like say Hopper or someone else that's really high owned, then you're going to be one, just one or two bad weeks. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm the only one that gets hurt. And then you're now 30,000th ranked because the 30,000 other people just went past you. And now you're trying to chase your tail and catch up 100, 200, 300 points on everyone else. And it just gets really difficult. So sometimes it is better to just play uh, safety with numbers unless you just don't really rake that output as far as maybe being a rookie rather than like a mid-pricer or a premium. So that's where I'm kind of at with that side of things. Then uh, I've, I've been big on Callahan for quite a while. Again, they have a very soft draw to start in my opinion. Someone put out a tweet saying, oh, really hard draw. I'm like, how? They play bunnies. Like they literally play a lot of the weak sides. I don't care if they have to travel a lot because they're not the most defensively minded sides. And when you're an attacking winger who's tall, can mark, and a silky, you should get a lot of inside 50s, a lot of score assists, and hit the scoreboard yourself. So for his price point, I do think he probably will definitely make me enough money. Um, I kind of see him around that 75, 80 sort of average mark. And I'm just hoping that he has one of the, or two of those good games like silky players do. And I think when he does put it all together, his efficiency and impact, kind of like a Bontempelli type, will give him a really nice supercoach score, and that will just um, price him up for me to be able to get rid of him. Alrighty, so the last two, uh, Ashcroft, you, obviously, if you're not doing Ashcroft, you don't know how to play, uh, and that's not Brisbane bias, that's literally just standards. Uh, McKenzie, I am a little concerned with McKenzie, but he looks so good, and he had time and space and composure in like the CBAs in traffic, and I think Hawks almost kind of need someone like that who's not going to be flustered, who's not going to be rushed, because... They are quite young in there. Now, if you have someone who actually is composed and has a bit of time, then he can try and link up and, and help everyone around him. And he's someone I think will actually get better as things progress as well. But at the same time, I have obviously got Phillips. Now, I'm not normally one to spend money on my bench. I think this year's a little bit different, though, because you don't want to have these cheap rookies on your bench if you feel like they're going to get cut or they're going to be a sub. Now, 
if anything, some of these younger guys are probably more likely to be rested rather than subbed. And I think that they are still going to have a pivotal part to kind of go through. Now, it's always a risk. But the more of these cheap rookies you have, and I don't know if it's a false sense of security, whereas for me, I'm like, hey, like I'm quite happy to spend up a little bit more on my bench this year just because I feel like they're in the system or the role's there for them and they are more likely to keep their spot. Now with, um, you know, Chin Cotter, that's kind of like, well, you're just cheap enough with a good enough role that I hope you maintain it. And I think a lot of people will be in the same sort of a boat. Then I've gone, uh, Oscar Baker, I think is uh, a really good option. Pretty much played his way into the best 22, I think. And it kind of makes it interesting for McLean for me because Baker, I think, was meant to be on the bench. Wasn't really going to play much, I believe, until they dogs had like injury, injury, injury. Then Baker just went out there and absolutely towed up. Went like a hundred and something super coach dominated, looked really impressive. And now it's like, okay, well, how do you keep him out? And McLean had like 15 touches, didn't really touch it in quarter one, was less than appealing. But I also think a lot of people are being really reactionary to McLean. And for me, I think McLean comes down to um, the preseason as far as when teams are named. So if he's named on field and it looks like it's, he's got a pretty good role, um, then I'm not too bad. He's playing more like forward flank and on the wing, which I'm okay with. No real CBAs. Um, and I still think McLean's a class enough player that you could take a risk because he is still heavily owned. And it's one that if you just go and you overthink it and like, oh, I'm not picking him. Well, yeah, it's great if it works, yeah. But then if it if he plays and does well, which we know he can, he can have a really good score every now and then. Then all of the casual players will be like, yeah, and cashing in while you're then like, oh, I actually overthought it. You know, a really good player who, you know, McLean is. And then you're kind of going, oh, I'll go Sheasel, who's never played a game before, just because he looked like he had played a couple good games. But first-year players generally aren't that consistent, where McLean is probably going to be consistent, whether that's consistently mediocre. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I think it's probably better to back him in rather than try and go like a Philippou, um, who is definitely the opposite. Last one here is Davey. Now, I've kind of looked at if I have Wilmot in my team – then I'd put like Chesser into my midfield, obviously depending on if they're named, etc. And that's where it would sort of free up. Davey might then push back into the forward line and there's a little bit of flexibility there. And I've spoken previously. Now, one thing I am trying to do with my team is I'm trying to be fairly flexible. Now, previously when I've gone like guns and rookies, and I've still done well in that sense, I think the tide has changed a little bit with the trade boost and the extra trades and the mid prices and the value we have this year. I don't think Guns and Rookies is winning because you need to kind of try and flip and turn. If your rookie gets subbed, then all of a sudden that cash generation stalled, so you can't then go and upgrade another rookie. And if you start with a lot of rookies, then how many are going to pop up throughout the season to be able to downgrade to that it will still be good enough to sort of try and make more money or play anyway? So I think this year is definitely the year for, for value, and I'm trying to kind of balance between my premiums and my mid-prices and some more expensive rookies. And I think that's probably the play to go. Now, if I went guns and rookies, I feel like I'm less flexible because I'm kind of backing myself into trusting my instincts on the premiums that I'm going for. And I've seen just for me personally times before, like last year I had Whitfield who was underperforming and I traded him out way too late. Some people are a bit more like, oh, premium, oh, he sucks, cut, dry, move. Whereas I was like, well, hang on, no, he's my premium, I'll back him in. Um, a few years ago, I traded Josh Kelly, obviously, and then uh, he was playing forward. I was like, oh, his role's horrible. I can't keep him anymore. And then I trade him. Next minute, they put him back in the midfield, starts averaging like 110, and I'm like, why? Um, 
So I feel like with this a little bit more mid-pricer or you know, like let's say Ridley, I'm like if he's not doing it for me, then I'm not really attached to him because I thought he would be that sort of you know D6. And then I could just trade him knowing that he was sort of, I hoped he would do this and I thought he would do that, but then I could still move him. Or like Hopper or Callahan or, you know, like Green even, yeah, trying to kind of go, okay, well, I'm looking for value. And then particularly in that forward line with um, which you will see, a couple of mid-price options where it allows me to shift and pivot a little bit more quickly because I'm not going to be as attached to them. And that's where I sort of sit with my structure and my idea uh, for this year. All right, so forward line, which is really interesting because I've had four forwards quite a lot, but it's also been at the sacrifice of, say, Bontempelli because I've had, like, you know, Laird, Oliver, Green, and I could easily do that with Phillips as my sort of, you know, M8. But then I'm like, well, do I want a Canelio instead of a Bontempelli? Do I want a, you know, Goulden instead of a um, Canelio or Goulden instead of a Bontempelli? So... I know there's differences as far as, you know, price because you're talking about what's that about, you know, 90,000. But that 90,000 is pretty much a difference from me going from Madden to Radaglia. So I'm like, well, do I want Radaglia on my bench sucking up my juice and, you know, taking my money? Or do I want Bontepelli on field against a Canelio or Bontepelli on field against a Goulden? So that's where I've kind of gone, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to go a little bit more mid-price in that forward line and allow me to kind of shift and change a little bit to see a you know who's coming in round six DPP, you know, Boak, Gorn, etc. Try and keep myself a little bit more flexible there. And I'll explain my rationale for Goulden. So I do like Goulden. He could definitely be top six. My concern is that they also have the first buy. So if he's top six, then cool. I'll just expect that I might have to pay 520, 550,000 for him. He's probably averaging 100 if that's the case, which is probably around that 550 mark. If he has one down game, he'll drop back down to like 520. So I'm like, cool, I'll pay $40,000 more during the year. I am not that concerned. I'm probably looking to go there after the buy because first buy. So I think if he is top six, then I'll just pay that money and I'll probably rather back in, you know, um, some of my other forwards or back in, you know, Bonzapelli against him. So I don't think I'm going to really lose points. It's just more about going, okay, well, they have that buy first. So I'm going to try and look to do that as well. Comparing the midfield as well, my thoughts on, so Lockie Neal, they play, I think it's six home games out of the first 15. They do have a lot of easy games early in the season, so I am tempted for that fact. Um, but they have the first bye, and then I think it's their game straight after their bye, which is the Gold Coast Geelong bye round, where you don't really need people missing anyway. Uh, I think Brisbane play Hawthorne. So now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could just go, well, they play, you know, six home games out of the first 15, so they have a lot of away games. And after that bye, when I don't really need someone anyway, he has Hawthorne. So he might actually get tagged and then drop cash for me to pick him up the round after. And then they play, I think it's five out of their last, uh, so was it six? So I think it's like, yeah, five out of the last 10 games at home or something or six out of the last nine or something or other. So they play a lot more games at home to finish the year. So I'm looking at sort of trying to upgrade to Lockie Neal then. Tuke Miller, um, similarly, they have a really hard draw to start with with a lot of games away as well. And I think Tuke was averaging about five or six points less in away games um, and then a lot less during losses as well. So that's why I'm kind of avoiding those two. Plus the injury concern with Tuke is pretty much why I'm sort of fading them as far as a starting option. Um, same reason I'm sort of fading Dawson and Stewart, not because I don't like them, but because mainly just those little intricacies of draw or being tagged or just little things that I think, 
you know, if it's just one person, it might not be a huge deal, but they start to, you know, stack up a little bit in the long run. And I'm just trying to look at times that I can sort of target them to become, um, you know, part of my team. All right, so forward line. Uh, obviously, you can't go really past Dunkley on this one. So Dunkley is straight in, hasn't moved. Uh, I have had Canelio, but I was concerned he had, well, they have the soft draw, which is why I wanted him. Had a little bit of a niggle, didn't play, I think it was the intra-club, and then played the trial game, and then copped a few sort of bangs in that. I think it was like a bit of a medial knock or something or other. So I'm like, well, okay, well, he had a niggle before the game, missed, like, you know, rested for a week. Little niggle, which, uh, you know, who knows how serious or little that was because it's GWS. And then he came in and copped, like, another couple of big hits. And then I was like, okay, and then Goulden was sort of there for value, so then I was kind of favoring that as far as um, you know, a strategy to kind of free up a little bit of cash for someone who still might average around the same. And in the end, I've kind of decided, like, I'm just going to back in three people I think will be top six and average 100 plus, and I've gone Dunkley, Rosie, and Taranto. Um, my theory is, anyway, you look at every single year, top six forwards are pretty much either forward mids or forward rucks. There's not too many genuine forwards in their own right that will actually be top six. And that's why you'll see like Petrarca will be forward mid and he'll will, you know, he was like number one. And then the next year he's a midfielder only. You see like McRae and Bontepelli at some point where forward mids average like 108 and then they're midfield only. Last year with the DPP switch, we were blessed more than I think we will be in the future because, yeah, you had Bailey Smith, you had Libertoro, you had Bontepelli, you had Parker. You know, again, all these forward mid types became the top six to 10 forwards for the season so that's why with Rosie being mainly more a, a midfielder now I'm like wonderful well if he's playing more in the midfield then that automatically ticks him up to be a better candidate for a top six same as Taranto he's now pure midfield so that then again better candidate for top six Dunkley pure midfielder again top six and that's where Goulden kind of comes into it now Goulden was a 10% midfielder last year right really impactful going forward really classy player um Chris was pretty much raving about how, like, you know, he just couldn't believe how good he looked when he played um, the the trial game, the preseason game. And, again, I don't expect him to get 80% or whatever it was, 70%, 80% CBAs because Mills is coming back into that team. But I do expect he'll get around that 50%. And Luke Parker came out saying, well, one of them will probably rest forward, which means that it'll probably be like Goulden will rest forward, then he'll go in the midfield, Parker might rest forward, and then they kind of rotate around a little bit. And I still think that's going to be really, really beneficial for his scoring. But again, with that first buy, I'm just looking, if he's going to be that guy, um, I'll bring him in then. Uh, hopefully, maybe he's just killing it so much that he might actually get a tag. And I don't know if he's really copped that before. So consistency has never really been there. I'm not going to back anyone that's going there because he is extremely heavily owned. Uh, he's now up to 34%. So, you know, it's that recency bias on he just absolutely killed it. He's also got that feel about him where it could be Petrarca-esque as far as someone who just dominates that preseason and you go, okay, and then next minute just goes absolutely big and then you're scrambling to get him in. So that my concern is if he does go big, then I'm kind of behind those other people. But then again, I'm kind of backing in, say, another premium against him. And if it means a midfielder, I know they're different prices, but again, if I was going to bring Goulden in, then I'd probably be having Radaglia there having Phillips on field and then maybe trying to have a loophole swing player like McLean would then be my loop between my forwards and my mids. So in my mind, it's still Bontempelli against Goulden. Um, I know the price is different, but just how it sort of matches up. So I'd rather just kind of back that in. 
and then bring him in at the most opportune time, which if he is doing well, I've got all the knowledge of, hey, how has he performed with the role? Has he been tagged or dealt with that tag? Has he been consistent? Right, and then I'll pick him up at you know, 5.20, 5.50K if I need to after the buy, and um, away we go. So that's kind of what I'm thinking, and I have a bit more knowledge before that fact, but I still feel like he's got that hurt factor. And who doesn't like a good-looking uh, player, as in the way they play is attractive. So this is a little bit different for me. So now I'm looking at, and the more I sort of think about it, the more I just keep coming back to it, and it's more about keeping that flexibility. So I've got Nat Five. Now, the start of the year is so easy as far as a forward to potentially score. Now, if he's in my side, I'm looking at him to maybe have one or two big games and have a fairly high ceiling where he might actually you know, peak one or two good games. He's really good at contesting mark. Let's hope he hits a scoreboard. He'll push up the ground pretty high. And he's, what's selling me is he has no shoulder strapping. He looks good. Uh, people that were actually at the ground as well just said how well he was moving and he was really influential. So the reasoning is you know, they have St. Kilda, but then they have North, West Coast, Adelaide, Gold Coast, Dogs and Brisbane a little bit harder, and then Hawks. So by that sort of round eight, after that sort of round eight period is what I'm sort of looking at for him. And he's probably the first on my list, I think, that I might try and move on depending on... So once that round six sort of DPP hits, I might look to move him then uh, depending on him and someone else, you know, like Yo's or these other mid-prices to see, you know, who can I flip and try and be really aggressive with my trades, with my boost in that sort of, you know, round seven, eight, nine, ten to try and really go one up, one down, one up, one down, one up, one down and just go premium, premium, premium and then try and get a bit of a head start on the rest of the competition that way. And that's where the mid-prices kind of come in for me depending on rookies coming in but I'm trying to be really aggressive using them as my stepping stone to get more premiums than others at an earlier stage. So, Nat Fife is there. Now, Flanders is the other one for me and it's, Pretty much, I know he didn't really get CBAs, which is kind of, in my mind, a good thing because I think he had like 10%, right? So Took was out, and then I think you saw uh, Davies, who I thought was really impressive, uh, getting more of that chunk in that sort of midfield. So for me, Flanders is good because I think he's, he's still racked up a lot of the ball, and I think Gold Coast still really need him. He's almost having like that Rankin kind of role a little bit last year, and by that I mean he was actually like pushing up towards the contests. So he wasn't getting CBAs, but he was still kind of getting involved in stoppages and then sort of getting involved that way by pushing up the ground. Now, he's not going to kick goals all the time. I think his price point is good enough that I still think he's going to make enough cash for me. Now, if I need to pivot from there, then I'm happy to. And that's what his price point does buy me. That's what Fife's price point buys me as well. Like if Braun goes really well, then I can adjust that way and I can kind of shift and move using those two um, to make some corrections if I need to. And I'd rather kind of that than overcapitalizing my forward line, I think, at the moment, because it also allows me to split those two. It means I don't need to really play another forward rookie as much in my side. Now, speaking of rookies in my side, I'm fading Philippu just because that deep forward, I think he's got great hands. I think he's going to be extremely good for them as a club. But we even saw last year with Rochelle, who went and went big. He got like 100 and kicked some really good goals. But then if you're relying on marks and goals, and if you start playing a bit deeper, because you know, Saints are riddled with injuries, so I think his job security is fine, 
then I just think he's going to have these stale games as a young player that relies on like goals or marks close to goal in order to score. So Rochelle peaked out like I think it was about one or two sixty two eighty. So I think and that was with a, a one or two really big scores. So Philippu could get to five sixty. Oh, uh, sorry, five sixty. Geez, yeah, cash that in. He's a keeper. Um, he could get to two sixty, and maybe make you a hundred. But then I think he'll just stall out. Now, this is one I'm happy to kind of correct if I need to. If he's looking good, has some good scores in there, role looks a bit better after, you know, not just a one-game sample, then I'll bring him in at that point. Now, that's sort of, I think I'm just fading him. And I've, I've spoken to a few other people that are, are thinking the same sort of way. Um, one that I am looking at at that point is Sheasel. And on the contrary, I don't really like too many expensive price rookies, but even when he was in the forward line, I saw him push up the ground towards like the opposition's defensive 50 and was like laying tackles and stuff up there. I think he's got really good goal sense and a, a good enough work rate to sort of push back. Uh, played like 80% time on ground, so I think that's really beneficial as well. Scored 70-odd with one goal, which I think is, again, a, a really strong sign. And then they were also willing to throw him in that back line as well as a bit of an extractor. So I think he is able to go into a few roles, whether that's mid-game, part of the game. Good enough goal sense that I think he'll still get, you know, 15 to 20 touches, maybe some games at, at some point, and still maybe kick a goal or two. So I'm, I'm kind of putting him around that maybe 70 average, uh, which I think at that price point, I don't mind too much, just hoping to jag one or two good scores. Reminds me a bit like Rosie a few years back, where you kind of try and disregard cheap rookies, uh, sorry, expensive rookies, but I think there's enough room in it for me where I might try and start him and then go backwards to McLean, or it'll be Sheasel to McLean, or this next guy possibly to McLean instead. Um, and that's what I'm sort of toying up with at the moment because what I am looking at is Pedler. Now, I know Pedler, I think it was pick 11 maybe, 10 to 12 it was. Um, hasn't really had a really good run with his body, but now he actually looks you know fit. Preseason's been all the hype. They're saying, like, I hope that he can now transfer that, obviously, into the season. Scored, I think it was 50-odd 50, 50 from, like, 55% time on ground. And they were flogging West Coast, so well, what's the point? You know, they, I think they just kind of racked half their team and just, you know, rotated them around. So I think he provides something really valuable for them. I think he's definitely got the talent enough to, you know, be able to score well enough and jag some scores. So he's one that I'm kind of looking at at the moment. He's not one that's been heavily owned because I think people are just going elsewhere, you know, the Kings or the, you know, the rest of it. So this is one I'm looking at, um, you know, toying up the difference between it. And I'm kind of leaning that way. I'm I'm not quite sure how I'm going to go yet. It sort of depends on teams being named um, because that could easily become, you know, like a McLean or things can shift a little bit from there. And the last one I am definitely looking at is um, Green. So I was a little concerned. I think Mitch Lewis is coming back in a month's time. I'm trying to look at, well, then who do they leave? Because I think he's that third tall, so I don't think it's going to impact him too much with Lewis. It might even help him out uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, like Kaziski's in that forward line. There's probably a little bit more smalls in that in that mix. So I think he's. I'm being sold that he's the um, Gunston sort of replacement. So look, he's cheap enough that I could probably sort of run with him anyway. Kicked a few goals against Collingwood, who have some really good defenders. So I think that's probably a promising sign as well. But as a forward in a not so good side, uh, it's a sketchy one for me. So. They're the rotating parts. Davey could even come back into that sort of forward line. And I'm just sort of waiting for teams at the moment, but I don't mind my structure. So I've gone like two premiums or 
by premium, I mean as in I believe there'll be top six or around that top six to eight or top eight to ten in the midfield, right, that range. So that's a premium. Otherwise, you're not starting them unless you think they're a premium because otherwise you're just buying yourself time. So I've got two premiums, a mid-pricer in the defense, and I guess well, Jones is kind of a mid-price, an accelerated, um, more expensive rookie. Um, Jin B, Constable, so I think that's a pretty good format for that back line. There's so many defenders. I think you just have to run the gauntlet and kind of go a little bit more thin there or even just go straight up um, premiums and rookies and just get rid of Yo, get rid of Jones and just go like three and three. I think it's also uh, possible uh, or have Jones as that sort of uh, D3 still and just go three premiums that way. Uh, midfield, I think I don't mind the three or four scenario. I don't like going much more than that because it kind of changes the balance of the rest of your side. So choose three or four uh, premium mids I think that you like. There's plenty of mid prices out there. Three's good. Uh, if you like some more mid prices, then you can even go down a little bit as well. English Marshall, pick your R1 to go with Marshall. I think I'm happy with um, you know, English with wits, um, any of those kind of combinations as far as you know what you're looking for there. Darcy Cameron, I could be swayed with Darcy Cameron in that ruck line. If he's named the ruck to start the match, then I might be swayed. You know, sell me in the next few days that they were trying to manage him through and let Cox do a bit more of the ruck work because he was coming back from injury. Sell me that pipe dream and I might consider it. Um, and then, yeah, that forward line, just trying to work out whether I go four four premiums and like two uh, two rookies there. So I could easily go those four plus, you know, disregard five, disregard Flanders and just go a like a McLean, a Sheasel, a Peddler and use those sort of three to kind of round out the team. Um that's what I'm looking at. Let me know what you think. Let me know if it's similar to you. Let me know if you like the structure and the team as I have at the moment. Thank you for your patience as well. I know a few of you were, you know, where's Ben's team? Where's Swiss's team? I do apologize. I've been extremely busy. Um, took time off work, obviously paternity leave, and then everything's just kind of compounded, compounded, compounded. And then we get to a week before the season, and then we have other content that obviously you guys want as well. So this is me. This is my team. We'll talk to you next time. Like, subscribe. That's it. I'll catch you soon. Bye.